inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. Living life like it matters. And man, I'm back at home base. Back at home base. I was up in uh, North Carolina the last couple days in Morganton. I really enjoyed my time up there with molded fiberglass. And, uh, you know, how blessed am I? Uh, I get to uh, speak life into people. I get to impact people's lives uh, every single day and we're called to live and examine life and that's what I love what I do because whether it be on the radio whether it be my life caddy work uh, whether it be what we do in class um, I get to help people clean up step up vision up to to fill up to uh, maybe uh, remind ourselves of some important things you know I learned a long time ago leaders remember the right things uh, we got to learn what to let go of, what to hold on to, because uh, life is a journey. And for some, it's a game. For some, it's a prison. And I want to talk about that today, uh, because, uh, you know, life should be an adventure. You know, I'm not really wrapped up in this word called happy and maybe uh, to my wife's chagrin, if you will, <laughs> but uh, uh, a daring adventure. Uh, I want to make it matter. You know, it's been said that life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. And I believe that was Helen Keller. I could be wrong, but I think it was. And if you know her story, uh, blind, angry, uh, a lot of things, mute for first half, basically abandoned emotionally, she felt. so. Uh, and yet her opinion, man, look where it comes from. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. You know, many people in life just want to be comfortable. They just want to be happy just to, to get through this thing called life as unscathed as possible. You know, to, to get through the week, to get through the weekend, to get through the next school year, to get through our next anniversary, to get through the next summer, to get through, get through, get through, get through. And then all of a sudden, we realize that planes crash and people die. Life's an underlying line. It has highs, it has lows, it has peaks and valleys. And when things are really good, just remember this too shall pass. And when things are really bad, just remember this too shall pass. Because life has ups and downs. And today we're going to talk about the ride. Because, uh, you know, I don't strap myself into those machines or those roller coasters. Some of you do. I don't need to step into a machine to experience the ups and downs of life. You know where I was just a few short hours ago? I was in the mountains of North Carolina. I did my radio show live at the molded fiberglass uh, plant. And then I got in my rented car and I drove and I drove and I drove through Mississippi and through Louisiana and through Alabama and through Texas. Fifteen and a half hours later, I wound up at home this morning, 3.30 in the morning. And you know, I spent a day and a half working up there in molded fiberglass. You know how I got there? I left Sunday morning at 2.30 in the morning and got there at 6 p.m. <laughs> 
And now I'm going to leave here tonight at 9 o'clock, uh, 8 o'clock, because i got a lot of work to do, and drive out two and a half hours uh, to start a leadership adventure class tomorrow. So uh, I know this thing called life. And so I thought we'd start off, though, with a little bit of a, an old reminiscing Mr. Black in front of a fireplace. Yep, you're right. It is time for story time with Mr. Black. And now, story time with Mr. Black. This is by Barbara Dudlap. Once there was a very small person who had feelings. They had many feelings and felt them every day. Their family liked them when they showed their feelings. So the very small person started to wear their feelings on their sleeve. One day, one of the small person's parents said they didn't like to see the fear, the fear feeling anymore. So the small person tried to pull it off. The parents said that they would give the small person some, some tough to cover over their fear. The small person found it very difficult to cover the fear with the tough. So the other parent and the grandparents all helped. It took many, many days. Now you look wonderful, said the parents when it was done. We've covered some of your feelings with tough and you'll grow into a strong person. The small person grew a little older and found a friend. The friend also wore their feelings on their sleeve. The friend said one day, my parents want me to cover up my lonely feelings and to be different from now on. And they were. The small person decided to cover over their lonely feelings too and they they got some angry from another adult. So the small person put big patches of angry on top of their lonely. It was hard work to cover over all those lonely feelings. One day when the small person, who was now not so small, went to school, some of their lonely feelings started to show. So the teacher kept them behind and gave them a a big dose of some guilt to cover their lonely feelings. Sometimes when alone at night, the person would look at their feelings. They would pull off the tough, they'd pull off the angry, they'd pull off the guilt to look at their lonely and their fear. Then they would have to take a long time putting the tough and the angry and the guilt back again. One night, the person noticed that their lonely and fear were growing and beginning to stick out from under the patches. So the person had to go out to find some more angry to cover the lonely and got all the tough that their parents could muster could spare to cover their fear. The person grew older and became very popular because everyone said they could hide their feelings well. The person's parents said one day that they had a proud feeling because the person had become so tough. But the person could not find anywhere to put the proud feeling because the tough got so big. The person had trouble finding room on their sleeve for any other feelings. The tough and the angry were all that were showing. Then after a time, the person met another person and they became friends. They thought that they were a lot alike because they both had only tough and angry feelings that showed. One day the friend told the person a secret, I'm not really like you. My tough and my angry 
are only patches to cover over my lonely and my fear. The friend pulled back the edge of their tuft and showed the person their fear just for a second. The person sat quietly and did not speak. Then carefully, they too pulled back the edge of their tuft and showed their fear. The friend saw the lonely underneath. Then the friend gently reached out and touched the person's fear. And then the lonely. The friend's touch was like magic. A feeling of acceptance appeared on the person's sleeve and the tough and the angry had become smaller. The person then knew that whenever someone gave them acceptance, they would need less tough and there would be more room to show proud, sad, love, strong, good, warm, hurt, fear. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what I get to do. I get to help people recover from some of their old BS in their life. And you know what I mean by BS. Spencer knows this. I'm not talking about the stuff we have out here in Texas in the pastures. No, not that type of BS. I'm talking about belief systems. And gentlemen, ladies, everything we do or do not do is driven by belief system. And most of our belief systems, based on Dr. Adler's work, are in place by the time we're five years old. So you're not a baby anymore. It's time to put the big boy pants on, the big girl pants on. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Today, we're talking about the great adventure. We'll be back after these messages. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. When I attended the Leadership Awakening workshop, I didn't know what to expect, but I was open. The tools taught at Leadership Awakening helped me discover things about myself that were holding me back from being all God created me to be. Providential? That word coins these life-changing classes because I now realize there are works God has already created for me to walk in, and these workshops helped me to see this more clearly. I received practical insights that I am already applying to be a more focused businesswoman, influential mom to my two teenagers, an eight-and-a-half-year-old son, and patient and passionate wife. I got rid of a lot of clutter in my head. BS, they call it, belief systems that were not serving me. If you want to know what it means to empower others instead of trying to control them, if you want to build a productive team in two days, if you want to press the reset button in your life and give yourself a fresh new beginning, then do yourself and your family a favor and attend the next Leadership Awakening. It's time the giant in you comes alive. Leadership Awakening is coming to a location near you. Details at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black. And today we're talking about the great adventure. Now, there's a double entendre there for me, just so you know. Uh, life uh, is a journey. It's an undulating line. It's a roller coaster. It has highs and lows. It has peaks and it has valleys. What a ride. Sometimes you want to get off. Sometimes you want to stay on. Sometimes you're having the funnest time of your life. And then a few minutes later, oh my gosh, gee golly. Right? Welcome to life, right? 
And we say life is an undulating line. It has highs and lows, has peaks and valleys. And what we talked about in the last segment was I shared a story by Barbara Dunlap, and uh, it's so powerful because it's so true. You know, we are meaning-making creatures. That's what the whole study of logotherapy is, Dr. Viktor Frankl. Between the stimulus and the response, there's a space, and in that space is our power and our freedom. But also in that space uh, is our past. In that space is your pound of flesh. In that space is your record of wrong. In that space is your narrative. It's your frame. It's your BS. If you were to create a set called the experience of you, or if I did mine, the experience of Scott V. Black, it would have all those things in it. And because the good Lord made us the way he made us, our mind is six times faster than we can talk. And so when someone says something or does something, we don't respond to that. We go to what we know. We go to what's in the space between. And for a lot of us, uh, it's a lot of uh, hurt, a lot of brokenness, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment. I believe in being under construction. I believe that there's one true God. I believe he's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. And I believe that I'm not him. And I believe I'm a broken, flawed man. And I believe that I'm called to be more. And I believe when I wrong somebody that no matter what they did or didn't do, that God calls me to write that or to at least seek forgiveness and to repent, have a change of heart, think differently and agree with God. That's what confess means. Agree with God that what I did was I missed the mark. That's what the word sin means. I missed the mark. God has a high standard for us. I missed the mark. So I'm a warrior. I'm a bulwark. You know, bulwark, remember the definition? Any person or thing giving strong support or encouragement in time of need, danger, or doubt. I believe we're in time of need, danger, and doubt. Matter of fact, in my training, when people come in my training, they get a manual. And when they open their manual, this is the first sheet of paper, paper they see. I don't know who wrote it, but I live it. It's 11.59 and the clock of destiny. You've only got a minute, only 60 seconds in it, forced upon you, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to you to use it, you'll suffer if you lose it, give an account if you abuse it, it's only a minute, but eternity is in it. When the sun comes up, you better be running. Every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up. It must outrun the fastest gazelle. Oh, starve and die. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. <laughs> it must outrun the fastest lion or it will die. It doesn't matter if you're lion or gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. You know, I've been on my own since I've been 16. It was an abusive family. One time my dad beat me too much. I didn't respond the way he wanted me to. He said, get the uh, chicken plucks out of my house. <laughs> free at last, free at last. Uh, boy, I have a lot of rage, a lot of anger, a lot of lonely, 
a lot of fear. And boy, I wore it on my sleeve, but boy, did I cover it well. And see, that's why I can help so many people. Because I understand that hurting people hurt people. And I understand that pain creates a chasm for joy to fill up. And I understand that God causes all things to work for the good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. There's your great adventure. You're going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things you're not proud of. And then how do you respond? How do you recover? Do you, do you learn from that process and then pick yourself up, dust yourself off, hit again? Do you play the victim? Do you feel sorry for yourself? Because now the program starts playing, right? I've never been good enough. Yeah, my dad told me I'd never amount to much. Nobody ever likes me. Man, everybody's mean to me. Or all those white people do this. All those black people do this. All those, all those men do this. All those women do this. Or all those gay people do this. All those Christians do this. When a sponge is squeezed, the only thing that can come out of it is what's in it. And let's be honest, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of confusion. There is so much confusion in the air. People, our people are struggling. Open your eyes. The pandemic of poor mental health is grip, gripping this country, our families. It's real. It's growing. It's deadly. It's destructive, and it can be fixed. It can be fixed, but you got to believe it's possible. I had to come to D Jesus moment on my trip. I drove 15 hours. And on the way up there, when I drove up to North Carolina, I told uh, my wife, asked how well it went. I go, you know, I, I'm, I'm really proud of myself. I did pretty good. Uh, didn't drive like a maniac. He said, there, and I said, there was only a couple times I was embarrassed for myself. <laughs> and she laughed because she knew what it meant. Yeah, there were some times driving to North Carolina that I uh, got some aggressive. I got a little annoyed because people, if they don't want to go fast, they don't want you to go fast. And they'll, they, it, it irritates. It's called a red vote. And then people gradually slow down when you're going to go by them because they don't want you to go. They're not interested in going. And so I get agitated and riled up. And I'm a warrior. And so I'm going from class. I'm going days without sleep. I'm driving 15 hours, 15 hours there. I'm, I'm doing daily radio shows. I'm counseling. I'm walking in people's pain. We're building an orphanage and land in Africa. All this stuff. And I see America crumbling. And I see people just disappointing and people broken and and the lies were being lied to about elections and about shots and about science. And yet most people are buying it and they don't even see that we're going down a hill a hundred miles an hour. And there's a sign that says bridge out and no one's even seeing it. No one's hearing it. No one's feeling it. I don't like to teach leadership waking. Why? Because I get in what's called Mr. Black mode. And if you ever come to my training, if you've been to my training, you're laughing right now because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it, it is a role. It is a mindset. It is not a game. Uh, it is not a theatrical thing. It is real. Uh, I step in to that persona, uh, and it's real. It's battle mode. And I have the sensory acuity uh, of, I call it spidey sense. I see things. I hear things. I hear everything in the room. I mean, we're dealing at a spiritual level. We cast, I mean, it's intense. But I have to get in that mode to help those people. Because how do you change someone's life in 48 hours? It's technically impossible. But we understand the machine. 
You understand how man's a three-part machine. There's a machine. There's a mind that runs the machine. There's a spirit. And when you understand how people can function in those three roles, you help people, you improve them, get better. But I have to get in a state of mind uh, that is really uh, something I feel uncomfortable in. And I have to get in a state of focus that really uh, I don't like outside of class. But here's the problem. I've been doing that for 31 years, and lately I've been in class a lot. I've been counseling a lot. There's a lot of hurting people, a lot of death around me. So carrying a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. And so I've been torqued up, man. I'm torqued. On Facebook, I see some false um, Christian or false prophets, and I've got to jump in there in the battle and all that. And, man, God got me. God kind of slapped me uh, on the way home in love with Second Timothy 2 and said, Ratchet it down, my son. Ratchet it down. And I want to publicly apologize to my wife because, boy, I've been, you know, she's not feeling good, a lot going on. And I've been intense, Mr. Black, snapping into Mr. Black mode, going to adventure this weekend, going to do adventure uh, awakening next weekend. I mean, this next couple weeks and the last week is, it's intense. And so... You know, I, I've had to apologize. So publicly, I want to apologize. You know, God's telling me to ratchet it down, man. So, uh, I, 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 you know, life is not only an undulating line, but it's a bunch of fine lines. And what I'm realizing as I learn to be a better version of me is where are those fine lines? I love the saying, when all else fails, do the next right thing. But here's the problem. For who? For when? For this world or for the one to come? For the short-term moment or for the bigger picture? So you got to understand for the temporal or for the spiritual or the eternal. And so it's not so easy, but that's why we're called to live and examine life. And that's why as a leader, because there's so much negativity, so much brokenness, we got to bring hope. And so today I want to bring you hope. And I want to tell you, hope is a science. Hope is not a wish. It's a strategy. My friend Brett Wassel introduced me to someone who's struggling. We're getting him in class, and, and, and I told Brett, we're going to get this guy in first and his wife in three weeks and all this. And he goes, well, he hasn't talked to his wife yet. I mean, he, he can't make that decision for her. I said, he didn't make a decision. He didn't even know this is going to happen. I said, brother, you want me to bring some hope? I said, hope isn't a wish. It's a strategy. Do you know the strategy for hope? Do you know the signs of hope? Do you know that there are four plus one C's uh, of leadership that will allow you to whatever you're doing to do it at a higher level, a more fulfilling level? Do you know the number one commodity of all leaders is hope? If you're not peddling hope, you're part of the problem. Because right now, people are helpless and hopeless called depression. And as the leaders, we got to be hope pellers. Hope means that today, no matter how bad it is, tomorrow can be better. And I'm a hope peddler. So come back after these commercial messages. We'll talk about that. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. You've had a difference in your relationship with God, too. Tell me about that. Um, yeah, I was I was raised in a church uh, and I kind of stepped away uh, in, in my adult life. And this class kind of brought me right back to, to my faith. And that's a huge huge part of my life that's just been missing and i just I, I feel rejuvenated if that makes sense that you know knowing that god's walking right next to me every day every night you know he's right here for me and everyone else for that matter but he's here for for me right yeah. now and you have some peace don't you 
Oh, it's 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 really amazing. Sorry, I'm going to get emotional, That's okay. but it's 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 amazing. It's an amazing feeling inside my heart. Like it matters unique approach allows people to see, hear and experience leadership in motion. Like it matters radio. Radio like it matters. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black, and today we're talking about the great adventure. Now, there's double entendre. As I said, uh, life is a great adventure. And tonight I drive out to uh, East Texas, and tomorrow we start Leadership Adventure. First one in, I think, four years, and we've got a small class seven. Love to have uh, eight to ten. So if you're an awakening graduate, uh, let's go. Just come down to Texas. I'll put you in there. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll give you the adventure of your life, and you'll come out uh, a far better person. You know, we've been told so much during this pandemic, uh, and basically follow the science, and now we're realizing, and I knew it the whole time, but you know, some people won't believe the truth until it slaps them in the face, um, that we're following political science. <laughs> there's no, science tells us there's two genders. Come on. Uh, science tells us a vaccine has a purpose, and if something's not a vaccine, you shouldn't call it a vaccine. Uh, science tells us a lot of things, that life begins at conception. But yet, we want to pretend life begins... Uh, after a botched abortion two weeks if the mother chooses to keep it. I mean, come on. It's not science. It's political science. But let me tell you something. There is science and hope. There is science and hope. I want to hear that's not a feel-good. Matter of fact, I got this article. Where did I get this article? Uh, da, 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 da. Hopkins. Oh, John Hopkins Medicine. So it says, the phrase, stay positive, is more than just a cheerful colloquialism. There's science behind those words. Evidence is that is that hopefulness can promote a quicker, fuller recovery. One of the things I look at is how the attributes that patients bring to the table. She's talking these three words, resiliency, spirituality, and hope. How they facilitate recovery. Just a side note, parenthetically. I study it. Uh, that, what do you think rescue animals where they came from? Because people who have surgery, who have an at pet or an animal given to them, it, they recover better. Something that loves, something that loves on them. You know, so uh, those things actually facilitate recovery. It's not my opinion, says Kate Corte, a neuropsychologist in John Hopkins Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. She said, quote, what we found is that maintaining what the what is, is that maintaining with outcomes and life satisfaction affects healing. In her research, Corte has examined patients across the spectrum, traumatic brain injury, stroke, brain tumor, and consistently found that those patients who succeeded in keeping a good attitude did better in their recovery. We take a broad approach by tracking everything that goes on with these folks throughout the rehab and recovery process. Some of my studies have examined their level of engagement in rehabilitation interventions. Then we look three months after discharge at how satisfied they were with life, how much assistance they needed to function. And here's what she says. Folks who were more hopeful throughout the recovery and had a more positive attitude needed less assistance later on. Hope and positivity, she says, help patients make better decisions and keep sights off far-reaching goals. Uh, a positive attitude also helps them follow the recommendations of physicians and therapists. Our psychologists are focused on helping patients realize that there is something better to come. Our team is there to help them learn to adapt and adjust and to recover to their fullest extent possible. And this is why I, I bring science, epigenetics. 
You know, we're a community of 300 trillion cells, all driven by our environment. Dr. Caroline Leaf talks about how she believes 87%, that's what she posits, 87% of all diseases are psychosomatic. I mean, I think there's a reason because, you know, God's our daddy. And he tells us to, to do not keep a record wrong, do not keep a pound of flesh, to forgive, to let it go. That vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I'll repay. We got to quit being God and let God repay. You know, as God was talking to me, I had to come home and apologize to my wife. And, you know, she's, she's sick and we got so much going on. And my son's been sick and I've been on the road and she's just in tears. And so I had to apologize and, said, and God said, hey, man, you need to be kinder to her and with her. And so, you know, to even talk to her, you can see she was just downtrodden. And I said, come on, let's give this a little hope. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> see, hope says that no matter what's going on today, tomorrow can be better. But helpless and hopeless says today sucks and tomorrow will be no better. And why does this matter? Because people are watching. Remember, leadership's a loop. It's permission. It's example. It's culture. We give people permission through our actions. You got to consider what are you what are you giving people permission to do? You know, when I was in North Carolina, uh, it was uh, was it uh, Monday night? Oh, no, no, it was, it was actually Tuesday morning. It was early in the morning. I had to get to the plant at uh, 6 o'clock, I think it was. And I was sitting out there and uh, just clearing my head because I was really overwhelmed, just real emotional. And uh, I see, you know, there's a there's a forest behind the little parking lot I'm standing in. And I see something move out of the corner of my eye. And I'm like, oh, is that a deer or something? And I looked over to what I noticed and I couldn't see anything. So I go on just talking to God and just kind of spacing out, looking in the forest area. And all of a sudden I get to my right, I see something move and I... Real quick, look over, and I, I'm like, I figured it was a deer or something. I, I don't see anything. I'm like, huh. And so as I go back to focus, all of a sudden I see that there's a car backed into a spot by the forest there, but it's on the parking lot, uh, and a light came on. And a guy rolled out of there, and his name was Eric, rolled out of there and stumbled along a little bit and took out a cigarette and lit it. And I said, you sleeping in your car? And he said, uh... Yeah, I mean, my dog had a big old pit bull in there. A big old dog. And so God said, go talk to him. So I walked in, talked to him, said, what's going on? He goes, oh, well, you know, I just, you know, I've been drinking, so sorry. And, you know, he's drunk. He smells, smelled bad. And uh, so my girlfriend was uh, um, was hooking up with this guy. And and then I wondered, oh, my gosh, how long has this been going on? And I got a huge fight, and I grabbed all my stuff, and I got out of there as quick as I could. And uh, I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm so lost. I'm, I'm you know, and all that. I said, oh, man. I go, first of all, I go, let me go get you some money. So I went inside, got my wallet out of the hotel. I think I only had 50 bucks, so I only wanted to give him 20. I kept hearing in my head, give him 40. Give him 40. Give him 40. So, okay. Here's 40. <laughs> so I gave 40. Put my car around it. And then I had eaten at La Salsa. By the way, if you go to Morgantown, North Carolina, eat at La Salsa. Incredible. I ate and had a couple of nice beers, and I took enough home to feed that guy and his pit bull with lots of onions left over. And I had bought a bucket of chicken, KFC, eight, eight piece chicken bucket. Oh my gosh, $30. Thanks, Joe Biden. Eight piece chicken, $30. And I had still two, the two breasts left. I was going to eat on the way home, but I grabbed that for him. So he had some food. His dog had some food, gave him $40. Uh, and he just kept talking, shaking his head. Man, I'm so sorry. I said, Hey, uh, can I pray for you? He goes, Oh, man, I, you, I've been drinking. And all. I go, So what? God knows that. He doesn't care. God takes dirty things and makes them pretty. 
And so he, he, he uh, put my hand out and I prayed over him. And as I'm praying over him and not talking to help him because he's lonely, he's broken, he's weeping, he's sobbing. This 40-year-old man sobbing uh, and uh, finished praying for him. And he goes, and he started talking his sob story. And I'm not downplaying his sob story, but, it, you know, him talking to me about it ain't going to help it. And I said, here, get my business card. Here's 40 bucks. Uh, here's some food. Uh, and uh, he went to shake my hand. And I grabbed a hold of him and, and hugged him. I know, stranger, all this, I hugged him. Uh, and uh, he grabbed hold of me. And he sobbed and sobbed. I'm getting emotional. And uh, it was really touching. He said, man, I feel my spirit change. So I feel, I, 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 I just, I, I, and he, his tears flowing. And I had to walk away. I said, hey, there's my number. If you need anything. You know, how blessed was I? How blessed was I? I couldn't sleep. Driven for 15 hours. Feeling sorry for myself. My wife's feeling like, maybe does he love me anymore? Feel the weight of the world. Go outside to clear my head. And I always pray to God, God, give me some divine appointments. Lord, let me be you to somebody on this trip. Put someone in my path that I can help. And never fails. And I got a chance to, to hug on and pray for and bless Eric. I don't know if he's my brother. I don't know if he's a child of God. Who knows? Only God knows. But I do know that night I planted a seed. I pruned a seed that was already planted. I watered a seed that's been there for a while. I might not have harvested, but the Bible's clear that uh, God does all the increase. And see, that's what you got to realize. My son watches me do this on a daily basis. You see, children learn from what they see. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator and I immediately wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat and I learned that it was good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me and I, I learned that the little things can be the special things in life. When, when you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer. And I knew that there's a God and I could always talk to and learn to trust in him. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick. And I learned that we all have to help take care of each other. When, when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you give of your time and money to people who, who had nothing. And I learned that those who have something should give to those who have nothing. And when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you take care of our house and everyone in it. And I, I learned we have to take care of what we've been given. I, when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw how you handled your responsibilities, even when you didn't feel good. And, and I learned that I would have to be responsible when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking I saw tears come from your eyes and I learned that sometimes things hurt but it's gonna be all right and it's all right to cry when you thought I wasn't looking I saw that you cared and I wanted to be everything that I could be when you thought I wasn't looking I learned most of life's lessons that I need to know to be a good and productive person when I grow up I looked at you and wanted to say thank you for all the things I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. Ladies and gentlemen, our kids don't need a sermon. Our neighbors don't need a sermon. They need an example. 
A picture's worth a thousand words. What you're doing speaks so loudly that people don't need to hear a word you're saying. And then you create a culture. And after the break, I want to give you some applications, something you can take with you, and I'm going to introduce you to the four plus ones, the four plus one C's of leadership. You'll want to stay tuned for this. We'll be right back. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. I'm black. I'm back. And yeah, I am going to Leadership Adventure this week and starting tomorrow uh, in East Texas. Uh, got plenty of room. Love to get one to three more Leadership Awakening graduates. I'll pick up the tab for you, man. I'll 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 pick up the twenty five hundred dollar tab for you to change your life forever. So hey, uh, don't tell me no one's ever given. Don't tell me no one's ever opened the door. Don't tell me no one's ever answered a prayer because so many times what we pray for, God gives us. But we don't open the door. We don't walk through the door. We always have a reason not to. I used to think that people were looking for a reason to believe. Uh, but nah, they're looking for a reason not to believe. Skepticism, sarcasm, doubt, fear. I mean, let's be honest. We're lied to by everybody. Everybody lies to us. Though. We're all, it's all okay because it's all about politics, right? It's all about politics. We're lied about spying on Americans. We lied about elections. We're lied about FISA courts. We lied about where this virus started. We all know it started in a lab. We lied about gain-of-function researches. We lied about masks. We lied about COVID. We lied about, I mean, what do you believe? How do you believe anything anymore? When people cannot believe, have no truth. Remember, this started about 40, 50 years ago. What is truth? Truth is relative. It might be true for you, but it's not true for me, right? Two plus two is only true for me. It's not true for you. Because to you, two plus two equals 12. Yeah, that works really well. How's that working? Coming together as a world? Coming together as a country? No. So you realize that there are patterns. I deal with patterns. Patterns get you what you're getting. If you don't like what you're getting today, then do something different. That's not me that said it. That's that smart old dude, you know, the funny-looking crazy guy, Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein decided, uh, defined insanity as doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And so the flip side of Einstein's coin is if you don't like the results, change the approach. As you change the approach, you change the results. That is called a pattern. It's called a recipe. If you don't like the end product of a recipe, then change some of the ingredients. See how you put them in? Ingredients. And you change the outcome. It's science. Science, science, science. Right? 
the law of causality, the chain of causation. It's called vision, seeing how things connect. Come on, open your eyes, people. I feel like Jesus when I say this. You have eyes to see, but do not see. You have ears to hear, but do not hear. Wake up. And one way that you can build a team, one way that you can lead your life in a way that matters, one way is you can figure out some patterns. When I went to Promise Keeper years ago, I kind of date myself, don't I? When I went to Promise Keeper years ago, one of, my, uh, one of the guys I met there said, you know, one of the greatest things I've ever done for my Christian walk is I put my shoes under my bed. I'm like, what does putting your shoes under your bed have to do with Yahweh? I said, that's easy. Because every night before I went to bed, I had to get on my knees to put my shoes under my bed. And every morning when I got up, I had to get on my knees to pull my shoes out from under my bed. Now, I don't put my shoes under my bed. However, I do create patterns that work well. And sometimes we fall into patterns that don't work well. And that's when we do that. We have to get on knee and look someone in the eye and say, hey, I'm sorry. I, ap I apologize. I didn't handle that well. You know, I, I told you I'm a warrior and I got slapped with a second uh, a Timothy 2 by God. And he said, uh, a worker proof for God. He said, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, <laughs> which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid, listen to this, avoid irre irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Isn't that amazing? And then he goes down in verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Ouch. You can't say amen. Say ouch. Foolish, ignorant controversies. This is the word of God, people. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Thank you, sir. I have another. <laughs> so, sorry, honey. I'm going to do better. <laughs> so, I want to give you something, something tangible, something applicable. Remember, it's, it's inspiration. I want to I give you hope. It's education. I want to teach you how to think. It's not to get you smarter, but to teach you how to think for yourself. And application, something you can take with you. So let me give you what I call four plus one C's. I call them C's of leadership. I call them C's of team, build, uh, C's of team building, but they're just real structural pieces. Now, first one's commitment. So I'll tell you what they are if you want to write them down. Uh, commitment, clear vision, communication, and consensus. Those are the four. I'll tell you the plus one, you have to stay to get the zert. It was the best part of the meal, zert, and it comes at the end, so you gotta stay on if you want the zert. So, number one is commitment. We always start everything with commitment because without commitment, nothing's gonna really work to the level it could work. Remember Colossians 3, I'm sorry, uh, uh, yeah, Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to man. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And by the way, it's not talking about separating your spirit and your soul. And what it's talking about totality. Same thing, I think, is Hebrews uh, four twelve or something like that. It talks the same thing. But in Hebrews, there's actually four things mentioned. Uh, in the other one, there's only three. But what it's talking about totality. 
That's why, you know, a lot of the Israelites, some of their uh, festivals, the burnt offering. I always wonder what's, you know, seven different types of festivals and, and, and different offerings and the burnt offering. You know what it meant? You, you totally burned it up. It consumed it. Nothing was left. Nobody had anything to eat from it. It burned it. You know what it was about? Being totally consumed by God. All in, totality. That's what God says. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's what totality. See, that's what commitment is. Heart, body, and soul. Because if I take away your heart, I take away your body, and I take away your soul, what's left? That's right. Nothing, honey. Crunch. And commitment's always about one word. You should write it down. Commitment's always about trust. See, how can someone commit to you if they can't trust you? And how can someone trust you if they don't believe you're committed to them? Take a look at the majority of problems in our marriages, right? Commitment and trust go hand in hand. And then below that, and by the way, faith could fit in there too. Faith, that would be a good word to add a little trifecta, a little trinity there in words, huh? Commitment, trust, and faith. That'd be a make a good Christian, wouldn't it? Clear vision. Clear vision's always about three questions. You might want to write these down. First question is, where am I now? Second question is, where am I going? Third question is, what will it take to get there and how long? And you know the biggest deal here is the first question. Because we lie to ourselves. We don't like the truth. And Jesus said the truth will set you free, but Garfield said first will make you miserable, and people are afraid of the misery so they never get the truth. But you got to be truthful. Where are you at? What's your starting point? Most people don't know their starting point. So you got the best vision in the world, but you can't get to there from here if you don't know where here is. Communication is the third C. Whenever I'm talking about communication, there's always two types. It's interpersonal and intrapersonal. That means communicating with others and communicating with ourselves. I'm going to tell you right now, the most important one for you to focus on is intrapersonal. The way we talk to ourselves dictates, it creates a frame, it creates a narrative of how we talk to other people. So it's the ability to relay messages. There's a stimulus and response. It's called a transaction. That's the essence of communication. And then consensus. Consensus is about gaining agreement. You know, building some synergy. Common sense, common purpose, beginning with the end in mind, all working to the same good. Man, that used to be America I grew up in. It used to be America I know. That America is dead. But it doesn't have to be dead in your marriage. It doesn't need to be dead in your community. And it doesn't need to be dead in your business because you bring life to it. And so once you have commitment, once there's a clear vision, once there's communication down, once there's consensus, then once you have those four in place, then you add the fifth one, consistency. Write it down. Make it a recipe. SOP, standard operating procedure. Why should it be called SOP? Because it works. Not because that's the way we've always done it. Not because that's how my boss said to do it. Not because that's how I read about doing it. The only proper answer when I ask, why is it SOP? There's one answer. What's that answer? Because it works. So I don't care what you're building. I don't care what you want. These four plus one C's will be a great foundation. Commitment's about trust. Clear vision's about where you're at, where you're going, what's it going to take to get there. Communication's about keeping the right communication with yourself and framing that and communicating properly with other people. And then consensus about gaining agreement. Together, everyone achieves more. There's only one team. 
And if you're on everybody else's team, then they're on your team. It doesn't matter whose team it is. And once you got it down, once you got the secret sauce, once you got the recipe, make it consistent. Make it SOP. I'm going to adventure. Some of you should join me. I am Mr. Black. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network, reminding you when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, master trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.